Good morning. You guys can have a seat. Sorry, I'm going to have to do a little extra this morning. Um, thank you guys for coming. If you're listening online, glad you joined us there. Um, we're in the conclusion of our series called Word on the Street, and um, I hope that this series has helped you in some way or some form, because um, it's really meant a lot to me, uh, so much so that I've considered writing a book on this. I'm surprised, Brittany. Um, but uh, so I hope it's been helpful to you like it's been to me, because sometimes, let's just be honest, the things that people say about us and the things that um, we say about ourselves sometimes, like it, like it hinders us, right? Like, who's, the, who, who's your biggest critic? Yourself. Like, when you look in the mirror, what you say about yourself determines how the rest of your day goes. And so if you're in the, in the morning, if you're looking in the mirror and you're, saying, and you're saying all this negative stuff to you, proclaiming your insecurities about your life, and then you go to work and someone else says something negative towards you, you're like, see, I told you. It must be true. If, if I'm saying it to myself and they're saying it, then it must be true. But then we have a God who says, no, I've created you on purpose for a purpose. I've chosen you. I've redeemed you for a reason. I have, you have a purpose. I picked you out to do this job. And what we said is we have to look and determine and listen to the correct voices, the correct word on the street, because we said that God does have a word for you. And that word is, is that you're chosen, you're anointed, you're called, or you're part of something so much bigger than you could even think or imagine. To be part of history, and by history I mean his story. And so we've looked at several stories like Jeremiah and all these, all these different stories and I wanted to conclude this with a question. And the question is this. Out of all of everything that we've talked about, what are you chosen, called, appointed to? And I believe it's this. And it's also the title of my sermon this morning. And it's this. you got to stay lit. Stay lit. I was going to do a sermon, one of two sermons. One was an idea from, from uh, Jason back there. I was going to say I'm going ham, but I was like, I don't know if I should do that or not. Um, another one was, you know that YouTube craze going around where people were like walking along and all of a sudden they go, what are those? I was going to do a sermon around that, but I was like, I ain't doing that. So I decided, hey, let's go with something even better and say stay lit. Uh, and here's the idea behind all this. and It's found in Matthew 5, verse 14. It says this, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. See, I think a lot of times that we forget what God has called us to. Because sometimes we forget that you know, Jesus is the light of the world, but with him in us, we are called to be that light to the places where we live, work, and play. Whether it be a hair salon, whether it be Cheddar's, whether it be Pizza Hut, whether it be, yeah, speak it out, woo! 
Cheddar's is the bomb, even even though I haven't ate there in a while. So hook hook a brother up. Okay. But listen, we're called to be the church, to be the light, to stay lit where we live, work, and play. That's like why why I love working a secular job outside of this. That's why I love working at in the school system. Because it gives me an opportunity to be away from church people who seem to have everything right, supposedly, and allows me to get to be with some people who are just really hurting and allow me to be, hey, listen, you don't have to live the same lifestyle as everyone else around you. You could be something different than, what, than what's around you. But we're called to be that. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Here's point number one. You are chosen to be the light for the world. Paul says it like this, and I didn't put this verse in there, but Paul says it like this. He says, I want to fill up what is lacking in Christ's affections. Like, what, like, you, like if you were to read that, just plain, it would be like, so you're saying Jesus' death wasn't good enough? Oh, it was definitely good enough, Paul, is what Paul's saying. But it would be pointless if there wasn't someone going out there to tell people about it. If there wasn't somebody out there different. There wasn't somebody out there saying, you know what, I know you're going through a hard time, but listen, there's a God out there that says, for whatever situation you're going through, and we'll get to in a minute, he says, I am that for you in that situation. But you are chosen to be the light of the world, even in our imperfections that we found out with Jeremiah. Who says, who, who says, you know, I'm too young to do this, God. And God says, no, did you forget that I was the one that called you? And our imperfections, our insecurities, and our shame, you believe that God, God chose Rahab, a prostitute, among everything, to be a part of his story. The shame that she must have carried that we talked about last week. But God says, you know what, I counted that in, and that's going to be a great beacon of light. She's going to stay lit. She's going to bring the message of the gospel, the message of Christ coming, the message of God trying to reconnect, reconcile us back to him. She's, you're going to be a part of that story, Rahab, even in all your mess. Because, listen, we're all messed up, messed up from the floor up. But he says, I've called you to be an instrument to bring a light to the world, and we're going to look at a story today that if you grew up anywhere around church, if you drove by a church building, you know about this story, okay? So Moses was this kid, and they were, he was born during this period where they were killing a bunch of Jewish boys, and the mother tried to hide him away and hid him away as long as she could, but then she, she put him in a basket, and then the Pharaoh's daughter found him and started raising him. Right? Raising him as, as, as her own. So here's, a, here's an Egyptian lady raising a Jewish boy. He grows up in, the, in, the, in Pharaoh's palace and has everything that you can imagine that you needed, right? I mean, king of the world. Right here. But he, but he, starts, I, I think he starts seeing some like, hey, listen, I'm not like these guys. I'm more like these enslaved people. And so, and so one day he sees, some, he sees some people fighting and he ends up killing some people. And being scared, he runs out to the wilderness and he lives there for a while and gets married. And we, we're going to pick up the story to where he was actually being a shepherd to his father-in-law's flock, going from the palace to the flock. Can you imagine? 
And all of a sudden, God speaks it to him in a miraculous way. And so it says this in Exodus 4. This is where we encounter God talking to those. But mo- so, so you pick up the, there's, it's this really cool story of how all, God, God starts speaking through a bush that's on fire, but it doesn't consume the bush. Uh, and Moses comes up and he, and he's like, God's like, don't come any closer until you take your sandals off because you're on holy ground. But God begins to speak to him, pleading with Moses, saying, listen, I'm going to call you out. I'm calling you out. I'm choosing you to go rescue my people from Pharaoh. Like, your whole life has been this way because I've chosen you. I've appointed you to go rescue these people. And, and so Mo, this is where we're, Moses is pleading with God here, and it says this in in 410, it says this, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. Anybody else get tongue-tied? Some verses say he, 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 he had a stutter. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. In verse 11, Then the Lord asked Moses, and this, I think this is the question that we have to really ask ourselves. We'll see why here in a minute, but he says, "Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I? Is it not me, the Lord? For some of you, here's let me wait for taking notes. Write this down first." I'm going to say this. God's given you what you need to stay lit. Okay? He's given you everything that you need. And here's what Moses is doing in this story. Moses is bringing up all his insecurities, his inadequacies. Everything that he felt disqualified him from going and rescuing people. But here's the thing that we have to understand in all this. And I should have made this a note, and I didn't. But here's the thing. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He gives you what you need. Some of you guys, you guys got a brain. God's given you a brain that can, that can outthink most people. You know that song, Shake Your Money Maker? You ever heard it? Most of the time it's talking about twerking. But I'm saying, no, listen, your money maker's up here. Shake that thing. All right? <laughs> I'm glad somebody thought that was funny. But some, God's given you a brain to think through the process, to think through things that no one else could. And maybe God's calling you to enter the, enter the sphere of, of higher education where you can be an influence to people who think way much higher than this dude. This dude's just a dummy, okay? God's given you a mind to give you influence with people that some people will never have influence with, and we're wasting it away. Some people... God's given hands to work with. I, the person I first think of when I thought of this was Justin, how he's so good with his hands. He can build stuff, and he can cut grass, and he can do craziness with his hands. Like some of you have been given hands where you can serve people, feet to where you can just walk with people. Feet, like God's given you what you need. He's equipped you with what you need. And all you need is you. See, I used to think, which I'm not downing my education at all. I love the fact that I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. I love that. But in the end, I didn't need that to do what I'm doing. 
Now it helps. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, it was God, it was God who ordained me and qualified me, not a piece of paper that I got in the mail from a school. All right? This position I got at the middle. Oh, God, I didn't go to school for that, so I can't do that. And I'm just saying, step on it. I'm going to tell you, the, the, the position I got at the middle school right now, um, I don't have a degree for. But you know what? I said, you know, God, I feel like you're calling me to this, so I'm going I'm to step out. What's the worst thing? And say is no. But I feel you calling me to do this, so I'm going to do it. Even if I don't get the position, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing what that position calls me to do. And you're just thinking, thinking, but just know this. God does not call the qualified. He he qualifies the called. He's going to give you what you need. You don't need anything else other than what he's called, than what he's given you. Number two is God will be whatever you need him to be. Because sometimes we feel like, God, I can't do this unless you do this. And it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to feel that way. God, you're going to have to do this for me. Like I remember before we ever started Shift Church, years before I ever started, we started Shift Church, I said, um, I'm, I may have even mentioned this before, I said, God, I'm done with ministry. Either way, I'm, I'm done. Come December, I'm done. So if you want me to continue to do this, you've got to move and open doors because I'm over it. I'm over being treated the way I am. I'm over pouring myself out and not ever really getting anything back in which that's kind of a back looking back that was a bad way of thinking about things but that's how I felt so I said God you're going to have to do God you will have to do this you'll have to be this if you want me to continue in ministry and I got a phone call from Peyton Will said hey I heard you were interested in church planning Um, would you like to meet at Applebee's and I go ooh you know because he says that's okay. Because here's, here's the thing that he does with Moses in the chapter before. In Exodus 3, 13 through 14, he says this. But Moses protested. So Moses is protesting this a lot. Like, have you ever like, protested God several times on something? Like you feel God telling you to do something? You're like, no, God, I ain't doing that. No, God, I ain't doing that. All right. So he does the same thing. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? And then... And then what should I tell them? And this is what God replied to Moses, I am. Sorry, you broke up there, God. Can you repeat that? No, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you to me. Go back to that other verse. Here's the thing. If you look at the, the Hebrew translation of that, what, how it actually reads is, I'll be who I'll be. You need a healer? He's like, I'll be that for you. You need a provider? I am. You need a deliverer? That's me too. You need, you need me to rescue you? I'm, that's, I'll be that. You need some joy? Me, because, you know, happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is based on things that happen situations and that can change any minute but if you find joy in something that's something that's that's steadfast that's why hebrew says the cross is the anchor for our souls because it stands for all in eternity as a sign of hope not a sign of judgment i'll be that joy i'll be that hope you need a redeemer i'll do that too 
God will be whatever you need him to be in the moment because he wants to glorify himself through you and through your story. God wants to take your faults, take your shame, insecurities, and be the I am of those, to be the I'll be that for you. God wants to take all those things and use those things to build his kingdom. Not a church, not the, not some prideful thing of ourselves, but he wants to build his kingdom because his, from Genesis to Revelation, he's been about reconciling people back to him. Reconciling just means to be brought back, to, to buy back what was his. That's been his whole purpose. So the question becomes... Well, Derek, I get that I'm called. I get that he, I'm chosen. I get that I'm, I'm I get that he, all this. But what, what am I, how does, what does this look like in my life? Like, how do I stay lit? And to be honest, I'm just going to be straight up with you. For every person here, it's going to look a little bit different. Some people, God's called to the business world and be in the light in the business world. Some people are really good singers. Okay, I'm just a really good screamer. Okay, okay. But we need to understand something. We don't need to confuse our gifts with our callings. Because sometimes we'll prostitute our gifts out in lieu of our calling. But God's, God's got a role for you to play. So one easy way to figure it out is what are you passionate about? What, what puts a kick in your booty? For me, it's always been Teenagers. Why I love working in the school. It's frustrating. For Brittany, it's always been kids stuff. For you, it may be, you know what? I'm I love cooking. I love making stuff. So I'm that's that's what I'm passionate about. And you can be a light to the world to whatever you're passionate about. That's one way. But here's what I know that we're all called to do. And it's found in Revelations 12, 11. It says this. And they defeated him, and him being the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, and their what? Your story. Your job is to share your story through whatever you do. To share the what God has been, the I am, I'll be that for story. Like for me, I, I, I always wanted to find... I wanted to figure out my identity, not my identity like what I view of myself, but I wanted to be identified. I wanted to be known by everybody. So I would do whatever it could, I could do to get people's attention, to notice me. That's why I slept around with people I slept around with. That's why I did all the crazy things that I did in my past, because I wanted to be noticed. And really what I wanted to be noticed, what I was longing for, was I found in God and I am of him, him just saying, I've always noticed you. You are worth to me. Because, you know, you, we all want to find worth in some, we all want to feel worth from somebody. That's really why we try to find our identity in our relationships with people. But God is saying, you know, you're not going to find your worth until you're with me. So sharing your story. But as we go, as we go and share the story, we know that it can be hard sometimes, right? Like, Dick, I, I like, what if, what if, what if they, what if they tell me they hate me? 
What if they say, they don't want to talk to me because I'm a Christian or because... And I want to give you some encouragement to move forward. And it's found in Romans. So if you're taking notes, we say this. We stay lit by sharing our stories of how God saved us. If you want to take notes, you can write that down. But know this from Romans 8.11. It says this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living with you. You have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in you, which means you are unstoppable. Let your critics say what they want to say. Let them be who they want to be. But you can stand tall knowing that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And you'll never lose that. That's why I can face tomorrow, even though tomorrow, I, mean, I, don't know what, I don't know what's happening tomorrow, but I know tomorrow trouble's coming. A couple months down the road, something may happen. But I know that I can face tomorrow because I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in me. And really, that's the story of us all. Because Ephesians 2 says, you are dead in your trespasses. You needed that same power to be raised from the dead yourself. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. We were openly choosing death over life. And it goes on to say that he gave us a measure of faith, a gift of faith, which just shows that we couldn't do it in of ourselves. So we, he had to give us a little bit to even believe. That's why we can't say that we've pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps. That's why we can't say that we, we've cleaned ourselves up. No, it was because from the very beginning, God had to give us a little bit of faith to move forward. But he took something that was dead in all of us and made it alive again. And where things are living, there's life. And where there's life, there's light. It's like why I love... Even though you, it's, I don't understand why it's read so much at funerals, but, you know, Psalms where it says, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. Well, I guess that's why they say at funerals. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no, feel no evil, fear no evil. For there to be a shadow, there has to be a what? A light. So even though we're facing hard times, sometimes, we're facing those critics. There's that shadow there that's blocking us. There's a lot behind that. And I just say we keep looking around whatever's casting that shadow and looks that light. And maybe for some of you, you are to be that light for somebody in that valley. They see the shadow and you're that light on the backside. Because, listen, there's somebody in your family, in your friends, in your co-workers that you have the story that they need to know that there's a God out there that loves them. That you've been raised from death into life and where there's life there's light and where light is darkness has to flee so with God being your I am with God calling you and choosing you be that light in someone's valley be that new word on the street where they where they're loved 
or all they've all they've heard their whole life is hate and how worthless they are. Maybe they've been abused. Maybe whatever this case may be. May you be the light that says, yeah, but you've got a father who loves you and wants to call you out of that. Maybe it's your own kids that just need some help. You can be that light to your kids. You can be that light to your spouse. You can be that light to whoever is around you, where you live, work, and play. That's the word on the street, that you have the story. You have the life. You have the light inside of you that can change the world. See, I think too often we discredit ourselves too much because we forget what Romans says there. Where it says the same power that conquered the grave lives in you. You're unstoppable. You're unmovable. Not because of your own strength, but the strength that you get from God. Because you knew where you used to be, right? I knew where I was over here. I guess it would be over here, hiding behind my shame. Remember last week? Hiding behind that shame. That shame was my security, or shall I say, insecurity. But as soon as I placed it out there in the window, where light comes through, it became a beacon for others. A beacon for me. Something that as I'm over here, walking along, I can look back and go, (laughs) see where I used to be? I'm not where I want to be over here. That's where I used to be, and I'm not there anymore, so I'm okay with that. But you can be a light to the world because you've hung your shame up, you've hung your insecurities up, and you can face tomorrow because the same God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here this morning. And thank you for really what this word on the street has meant for me and knowing that even in my insecurities and even in my shame, even even in everything that I try to do to disqualify myself, you you say, you know, I've taken that into consideration. I've, I've, I've examined that and I still want you on my team. I still want you to be a part of my story, of history. God, I just, I just thank you for that that you chose someone like me with all their faults and insecurities to say, go, come, step out, stay focused on me, not your insecurities, not your shame, and be a light to the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are unstoppable with your power. We're unstoppable with your grace, your unmerited favor on us, God. We just thank you for that. And I just pray that as, as we leave here this morning, that we leave encouraged to know that we can be the light for someone else. God, I pray all this in your name. Amen.